Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Welcome to the Beautifully Complicated Podcast. I'm your host, Sheena, and I am so glad you are tuning into this episode today. In segment one, what's happening now, we're discussing the latest in politics and pop culture, the update on the government shutdown and Cardi's takedown of the mega cult. In segment two, self-care, navigating those peaceful moments, how to do it and why it's important. In segment three, black excellence, I'm honoring Shirley Chisholm. In segment four, The Biz Corner, it's time to discuss some of the basics of starting a business. No friend host this week, so grab your tea and let's talk. Segment one, what's happening now? Well, the shutdown is finally over. As of Friday... Uh, yesterday, this recording is happening on Saturday, January 26th. So as of Friday, January 25th, at about 8 p.m. last night, Trump signed into place a continuance resolution um, that was passed by both the House and the Senate to reopen the government without any funding for the wall. I'm sure that was very, very difficult for him to do. But it's an amazing thing that happened. Uh, It's only until February 15th. So it's only for three weeks, 21 days. And that is to give lawmakers an opportunity to work together to figure out some long term solution and funding the government. Hopefully it comes without money for a wall. And of course, making sure all of the government employees get back to work and get paid for their work because they are suffering financially. And apparently this administration just could not fathom how people were living paycheck to paycheck. So Nancy Pelosi, Speaker of the House of Representatives, absolutely won this fight because she stuck by her guns and she made sure that what she wanted was what happened. She would not let up. She was relentless. And she told Donald Trump that he was not getting a single dollar for the wall. And she meant it. And so the basically the um, option that was brought before 
the House and Senate or well, the Senate in December is the exact same measure that passed uh, in this continuance resolution. And so we wasted 35 days worth of a shutdown on absolutely nothing because nothing changed. It was still the exact same agreement that was already made uh, over a month ago. So I'm glad that it's over. But while it was happening, let's talk a little bit about what the impact was, because Donald Trump is threatening loosely to reinstate the shutdown um, after February 15th if he does not get what he wants. So well over a month into the shutdown, uh, we have now two missed paychecks for government employees, basically. The lives of 800,000 people have been completely appended by the temper tantrum of Donald Trump, our little orange fool in the White House. It's incredibly disgusting. So let's discuss the humanitarian crisis that this shutdown has caused. Most Americans can't handle They just cannot handle, we cannot handle missing two paychecks because most Americans don't have the savings account buffer necessary to cover all of their expenses to survive. So what's happening? Federal furloughed employees are tapping into whatever savings they have to try to cover their expenses. And a lot of them have um, started picking up side jobs, working Uber and doing different things to try to make sure that they had enough money to cover their bills and their monthly expenses. Some of the offices and local businesses are opening up food pantries. They were feeding, uh, giving free food to the government workers because they couldn't afford groceries and rent. Some people just can't. They were rationing out life-sustaining medications because they can't afford to pay for them without paychecks. Literally rolling the dice with their own lives. Some were asking for help to pay their mortgages and rent, resulting in a this whole shutdown had the possibility of resulting in a, whole, a bump in homelessness. This is basically where we were. And they were going out of their way of raising money and GoFundMe campaigns being started to help them out. So people's lives were completely turned upside down because of a maniac and his deranged crew who won a stupid wall that is ineffective for border security. So government employees weren't the only ones who were impacted by the humanitarian crisis the shutdown is creating. So let's talk about contractors and subcontractors because those 800,000 government employees who will need um, the money that they're about to receive in their paychecks as they go forth the next couple of weeks because just to catch up on bills, some of them, and dig themselves out of a financial hole that this whole entire ridiculous nonsense has caused them. But they'll get paid back pay for what for the um, shutdown. Unfortunately, government contractors and their employees will not. So government contractors also, they're not receiving pay, which mean they usually, small business owners, mind you, can't pay their employees. So now we have a new layer of people who can't pay their bills, who don't have the same access to the pop-up pantries that the government employees were getting because they these people do not have government worker IDs. We have another layer of people who aren't receiving great pay anyway, so they may have even less available in savings, if any at all. This group of people also can't pay their rent. And let's not even get started on some of the landlords who are essentially small business owners themselves and can't afford to not receive these payments. They are set 
to possibly lose their health insurance in February, February since there are no payments going into their health care accounts. Heaven forbid they have health issues, which a large swath of Americans do. Now they can't even afford medications or hospital visits. They couldn't afford any type of emergency that will pop up because we all know how that goes. That's life. We have emergencies. Then we have people who receive government assistance who are also impacted. Some of the poorest communities in our countries, in our country who are about to, um, who are seriously like on the brink of losing whatever assistance they were getting from the government. These are people who were who receive housing assistance, food stamps, some medical benefits. The agencies who fund these services at that during the shutdown were not being funded. So whatever wasn't allotted for through that time period were basically not um, being received by the people who require that assistance. So they had to cover for themselves or were on the brink of having to cover for themselves if this shutdown hadn't ended, some of whom would struggle greatly to do so, uh, such as our elderly and our disabled community. So what I don't understand is why no one in this administration really thought all of that through. Like, the layers of people who are impacted lives completely turned upside down because of a stupid wall and it just it goes so much deeper than that so then you can talk about the impact nationally that this shutdown causes and possibly even internationally so the main argument for the wall is national security this stupid wall will not secure our borders. So I won't even give it any more of my breath. However, national security was definitely at risk with FBI, CIA, DHS, and other essential government agencies not being funded. They couldn't continue any work they were going, they were doing on investigations, paying informants, anything. They were literally unpaid when the FBI agents went to go arrest Roger Stone Friday morning. They were unpaid at that moment, working for free. Air traffic controller and TSA were not being paid. We saw um, also on Friday um, a, a basically a large volume of people called off work who were air traffic controllers. And so LaGuardia had to do a ground stop for a while and start to delay flights because they did not have enough people to cover. And we need our air traffic controllers to monitor the skies, to land our planes, to make sure all of the air travel is safe. And the people who do that, who have millions of people lives in their hands, were not able to do that yesterday or they're not being paid to do it. And so they are taking side jobs to cover their bills, which make them more exhausted when they have to come in to work, working for free and attempt to do the right thing and ensure the safety of millions of people flying in our friendly skies. Then we have the same for our TSA agents who are also going unpaid. Um, people calling off, they were losing interest in doing their jobs to the best of their ability. Some of them, not all, very small few probably because a lot of the ones I encountered as a business traveler definitely were very, very focused on doing their job. But it's easy to become disengaged when you're not getting paid. So at that point, we were at seeing an extreme security risk opportunity for our skies. Uh, these are real issues. You know, this, this stupid shutdown was causing real national security risks that could have endangered the lives of Americans here and abroad, as well as internationally. So uh, international relations and communities also could have been impacted as a frequent flyer travel 
is my thing. I travel a lot for business and I feel less safe on planes. I go out of my way as I always have really to be super nice to the TSA workers. But during that shutdown, I was even more friendly. I wanted to make sure that they understood it, that they knew that I appreciate the fact that they were still there trying to do the jobs, even though they were not getting paid. They needed their checks. They have bills to pay. Yet they were stuck in working, stuck working for free in that very moment. We saw airports were closing down security lines to deal with the shortage of the TSA agents due to call offs. So we've had all types of stuff happening. Um, they were requesting some agents go to neighboring airports that may have had a higher need due to travelers volumes. Same with Africa, uh, air traffic controllers. So we had this influx of a real national security risk that was rising up. And apparently our government, those who run our government in the executive branch did not care. They didn't care about national security or else they would have ended this nonsense and opened the government back up a long time ago. We would have never gotten to day 35. So we're seeing an impact economically uh, with the growth reduction of the economy by 0.13% each week. According to Trump's own economist team, uh, tax refunds have the possibility of being delayed as IRS workers were not allowed to skip work because of financial hardship or were now allowed to skip financial uh, skip work. So we have the stores were starting to lose revenue because they couldn't accept food stamp payments. PBS reported 2,500 retailers had a lapse in their authorization to receive their, uh, the EBT card payments. The economical impact uh, could have been a very serious one as more retailers would have been, become impacted by the drop in revenue due to fewer sales. And then that ripple effect was just, it was there. And because their employees would have received fewer hours and they too would have made less money and we just would have continued to see this nice little domino effect of what happens when we have a government shutdown that lasts as long as this one lasted. And if we have it come back, in 15 days, if we are right back in the same place or in 21 days on February 15th, we're going to see some, we're going to really start to feel this impact as a country in a, in a very dire way, I do believe. It's dangerous. It's immoral. It's absurd. It, it absolutely had an opportunity to have a significant impact on the nation if it had continued on. But let's say, let's just be honest, the same can be said for this entire presidency. You know, it's going to take some time to get things back on track after this presidency is over. Uh, with this shutdown over, it's still going to take some time for us to get things back on track. It's time that uh, we begin to see our government um, representatives working together and making things happen and not give in to foolishness uh, and childish temper tantrums that Trump does or gives. It's ridiculous. We need to make sure that we have our true adults in the room who really understand the need that we have as a country and are working on those needs and not just... Um, pandering to foolish nonsense of the Fox News folks. So um, there were some wealthy, the wealthy millionaires and billionaires of this administration really were completely missing the ball or not able to understand the impact the shutdown have on people. 
they had the audacity to believe that all of these government workers, and I'm talking about uh, Wilbur Ross and Laura Trump or whatever her name is, they didn't understand the, how people were impacted by the shutdown. They just felt that they should have just been able to bear down and deal with it. They were saying, you know, they can get loans, ask for extensions. Trump's like, oh, you could just go talk to your local grocer and I guess you can get it on credit because he know you're good for it. Like, I don't know what these people, I don't know what world they live in. It just makes no sense to me. There is no way that people live paycheck to paycheck in their eyes, yet we have so many people who do. It's like, it shows how disconnected they are from the realities of most Americans. They have no idea what it's like to go without a paycheck and not know how you would pay a bill or eat. We need to have a serious moment of introspection as a country that we should stop allowing so many wealthy people run our government because they are causing more harm than can be imagined. So a girl, Cardi B, chimed in on all of this and she made an impassioned plea for the government to be reopened. She explicitly stated what so many of us feel in a very simple, raw way, probably some of the best messaging that was out there. She put it out and just said, hey, the government was shut down under President Obama, sure, but it was for health care, a good reason. And he worked hard to get it reopened. Trump, on the other hand, wasn't working to reopen the government. He wanted to pout about a wall and his team are all about all I hear telling people that they should be OK to sacrifice their home foods and medicines needs for uh, the good of building an infective wall that won't be anything, won't do anything about any form of security for the country. So she spoke out, Cardi did, and became the perfect messenger to diverse parts of the population, which of course irritated some of the GOP pundits uh, like Tommy Lauren, a.k.a. Tammy Lasagna, who tried to come for Cardi for clout on Twitter after Cardi told her she would dog walk her, which yes, please do. She tried to come back at Cardi and Cardi got her right on together with sound truth about the state of the country. Then some other losers started trying to come at Cardi again for clout. It's pretty pathetic, but she was not having it. She was speaking her truth to the point that Stephen Colbert has basically started a petition for Cardi B to do the State of the Union. And you know what? I'm kind of here for that. I think that would be very cool. I'm certain she would do a lot better than Donald J. Trump. Speaking of which, uh, Nancy Pelosi, Speaker of the House, disinvited Trump from doing the State of the Union while the government was shut down, which he tried to say, oh, I'm going to do it anyway. And then he basically rebuffed. Um, but she has since come back and said, hey, I'll let you do your State of the Union, of course, but we're going to have to decide on a date because it's not going to be the date you we initially said it was. It may not be that date. So I think it's really cool that she's standing her ground and she used that as kind of a, a dangler in front of him because she has that power. You can't come speak at the podium at the in the House of Representatives in the chambers because unless you've been invited by the speaker. And so since he wasn't invited by the speaker, or he was rather disinvited by the speaker, he wasn't allowed to do that. And I think that really just grinded his gears. So speaking of pathetic people and pop culture, R. Kelly was dropped from his record label last week. Finally, it only took about 25 years or so. With a recent backlash against R. Kelly following the Lifetime docuseries Surviving R. Kelly, Sony record label finally made the decision to drop R. Kelly as a result of the um, hashtag Mute R. Kelly campaign. There are a couple of investigations that have been opened against him. 
His recording studio in Chicago has been raided by police to determine if it is indeed being used as living quarters, even though it has a commercial license. They indeed did determine that it was being used as a living quarters. So life is finally being upended for the actions he's taken against young girls, allegedly. I doubt he sees any prison time, but we'll take what we can get in regards to ramifications for his actions. Circling around the people not being held accountable for their actions, we have the Covington Catholic School kids, a group of teen white boys who were seen in a video taunting a Native American indigenous elder, Nathan Phillips. The video began to circulate Saturday afternoon of the boys staring down Mr. Phillips and mocking um, indigenous chants as he's beating his drum, hoping to bring peace to a very tense situation that was happening um, there. There was rightfully swift outrage on social media against the Covington teens who donned their red MAGA hats and their actions of disrespect. Then, in true media fashion, they did a 180 and decided that people were way too harsh on the boys. One of the boys had a PR firm release a statement for him. Because his fan, his mom's like a vice president of some company. I don't know. So the media quickly jumped on their side, uh, showing yet again that they don't know how to handle any signs of racism in this country. They are doing what they've always done, pandering and protecting the oppressor instead of speaking out and showing the harm their actions do to the oppressed. It's so disgusting. So Savannah Guthrie of the Today Show went on to interview one of the teen Micah hat wearing boys who is taunting the indigenous elder Nathan Phillips. Of course, it's an act to humanize the boy and raise him above the one who he was taunting. I'm just so over it all. When will they get it? When will they understand how their actions, I'm talking about the media, the media here, further embolden bad actors in racism, sexism, and the like. When will they realize that they often give more light to the ones who are doing the harming than those that are harmed? Young black and brown boys aren't given any of these opportunities afforded to the white teens of Covington Catholic, which has a history of racist actions from donning blackface to taunting black athletes of rival schools, as well as gay bashing. Our young boys are murdered. And then the media rushed to talk about how they are not, they are no angel because of whatever nonsense they pull up from their past, stripping them of their humanity. The exact same thing they're doing now to Mr. Phillips with the New York Post running a story about something Mr. Phillips did when he was 19 before his service in Vietnam. Oh, he was drinking, underage drinking. Oh, big whoop. This is what they do. The media is often complicit in the maintenance of racism in America. It's vile and it's disgusting. I'm just going to leave it right there with this segment. It's been a heavy month so far. This new year has already been insane. And seriously, what? We need to see the government. Uh, I'm so glad the government shutdown has ended. Uh, we need to make sure it remains that way, that we do not see another shutdown February 15th. I'm hoping that the government remains open. They're able to come together on a, a real um, agreement to fund the government without a wall. Uh, making sure that people get their back pay as quickly as possible. And please, please, please call your Congress people to encourage them to pass a bill to fund the government without funding the wall. Segment two, self-care. 
in these times, it's important we find an opportunity for peace. Whenever we get a moment, we need to grab hold to it and sit in peace. I find myself shutting off news and pulling away from social media just to get some solace because there's just so much going on. So in this episode, I want you to think about what peace means for you and how you can take those moments and truly live in them. What's the first thing you need to do? So figure out what it is that give you peace. Is it reading a book, listening to a specific album or music, writing poetry, going for a walk, even though it's cold outside, but okay. What is a place of peace for you? Everyone should know that for themselves because we all have it. We all have a place of peace. Sometimes we forget about it in the chaos, but I want you to take a moment and find that place for yourself. Next, we have to give ourselves time to experience that peace, to go to that place. Find time in your day, preferably every day, to experience some form of peace. Do what you love that gives you a sense of calm. Perhaps you mix it up a bit because multiple things elicit peace for you. So you do one thing one day and another the next day. Give yourself some time, though. 20 minutes a day of just being disconnected and nestled into your place of peace. Finally, don't make yourself feel obligated to it. What does that mean? Don't force it. It shouldn't become a chore to do this. It shouldn't be something on your checklist. It should be something you want to incorporate when you know you need to do so. When you're feeling bogged down or overwhelmed by the chaos, that place and that moment of peace is where you should escape to for a recharge. Otherwise, it becomes a place of chaos itself and you don't want that. Peace is so important. Your peace is so important. The more overwhelmed we are, the more toxicity we take in. It's imperative that we give ourselves time and space to sit in peace. Please do so. Segment three, Black Excellence. Shirley Chisholm. In the Black community, she barely needs an introduction or a rundown of her resume because that's just how amazing and awe-inspiring she is. On the hills of Kamala Harris, the senator from California, announcement of running for president on Martin Luther King Day this week, we're reminded of the very first Black woman to do it, Miss Shirley Chisholm. Shirley Chisholm was an educator in the 1950s, serving as the director of a nursery and early childhood education center in New York after obtaining her master's from Columbia University in elementary education. She became a formidable force on the topic of early childhood education and child welfare. She ran for and joined the New York State Assembly as a Democrat in 1965 with successes in education programs for disadvantaged students and obtaining unemployment benefits for domestic workers. In 1968, she became the Democratic National Committee woman for New York. That same year, she ran for the U.S. House of Representatives seat for New York's 12th District and won in an upset victory against James Farrar, who was the former director of CORE, Congress of Racial Equality. While in Congress, she helped expand the food stamp program, launched the WIC program, championed increasing expenditures for education, and was an opponent of the draft. She, on January 25th, 1972, she announced her candidacy for the president of the United States. This made her the very first 
black major party candidate for the presidency and the first female Democratic candidate for the presidency. A trailblazer for sure. She came in fourth place in the primary, not lost on her that some black men failed to support her and saw her more as a political figure and not a serious candidate, as did some of the white folks who were Democrats at the time. In her own words, Chisholm stated she ran for the office because, quote, in spite of hopeless odds to demonstrate the sheer will and refusal to accept the status quo, quote, end quote. She didn't stop there. She kept going. Stepping back in education after retiring from politics, Shirley Chisholm was a force. She is an icon. She's the epitome of Black excellence. Segment four, The Biz Corner. For all of my listeners who are looking to launch a business this year, this segment is for you. Jumping into entrepreneurship can be a bit daunting. So I want to give a few tips on what you need to do as you gear up to become a boss and live in the entrepreneurial world. First thing you need to do, research. Research your market. Understand the business market you're going into, who the competitors are, what is the profitability of the market, what is required to reach consumers, what's the need, what pain point does it address, understand who your market is and why they need your product or service, understand your niche. What is it that you provide that competitors do not, that give your product or service its value? Number two, have a product. Now that you know about the industry you're trying to get into and better understand what it is the customer want and need, you can begin the work of creating your product or your service. When doing this, don't pigeonhole yourself into what others are doing or what you think people want. Still inject in your own creativity and what you envisioned with slight modifications to ensure success in the marketplace. Trust me, you will iterate on it regardless. So no need to overthink it too much. Get a product though. That's when it starts to feel more real that you're doing this. It's that moment when you have something tangible that you feel that you're on your way to realizing your dream. Number three, get a name. What will you name your business? Everything is truly in a name. Brainstorm names, bounce ideas off of others, tested it a bit amongst those who could possibly be your target market, friends, family, members that are close to you. Create a name that is memorable, lasting, fits the product, captures what you want to portray as the brand. Also think about how it flows when someone is talking about it. Choosing a name shouldn't be an afterthought. You want it to be something that excites you, represents the brand, carries well in conversation, and is memorable. Number four, the legalities, trademarks, business registrations, all that fun stuff. So no, it's not fun. This is the boring part, but it's also the most important part. Launching a business requires some legal work. You have to register your business with your local government, city at times, and the state. You have to incorporate it. This is probably one of the most difficult parts of it. You have to determine what business type fits you, S-Corp, C-Corp, LLC, LLP, etc. These designations determine how your business will operate in the eyes of the state. So do your research. Consult with a business attorney, be thoughtful in your choice, and then file the necessary paperwork. If you're going to hire people, you'll also need a federal tax ID number, a state ID number, and unemployment insurance. You'll have to, if you want to trademark or do any type of 
um, protections for your property or your brand or your item that you have, you want to make sure you go through all of that and do your trademarking uh, and your patents that you may need. But you want to make sure that um, you are doing the right thing the right way. Number five, the brand and the marketing strategy. Now that you have a product, you've incorporated, you have a name, you understand your market, it's time to develop your brand and create a marketing strategy. So your brand should start out as a story. Think about the story you want to tell about your product. Where did it come from? How is it conceived? Who was in mind? How will it impact them? Where do you see it heading? From the story, you can begin to see life come into it. Then, of course, you have the visual branding logo, color scheme, font, etc. So choose a logo that is simple, two-dimensional, not too many colors. Simplicity is key with logos because it transfers better across media. Next, create your marketing strategy. From your brand story, you already have a voice. So determine how that voice will communicate with customers. Determine the best platforms to reach them. Listen to episode 33 of this podcast where I gave tips on social media usage. Get a website, a digital presence is so important this day and age. Word of mouth, have family members and friends help spread the message. A great product is worthless if people don't know it exists. So get it out there. So those are a few tips on launching a business. Research, get a product, get a name, do the legal legwork, create a brand and marketing strategy. Then you want to execute. I want to see you succeed. Don't be afraid to iterate and make changes to improve your products along the way. We all do it. Don't think it has to be perfect to be launched or else you'll never launch. Just do the work and get it out. Then adjust as needed. Success doesn't happen overnight, but you will get there. We all will. Well, folks, that's the show. Everything seems complicated. That is for sure. But we can still maneuver through and make things happen. It was kind of a heavy one full of all types of information. In segment one, what's happening now? We talked about the government shutdown and its effects that it could have on the family members of and the families of the people who were furloughed, as well as the contractors and subcontractors and business owners who were impacted by the government shutdown, which finally ended temporarily. In self-care, with all of the chaos, I want you to start to nestle more in those places of peace for you. So we talked about how to do that. In segment three, Black Excellence, I wanted to focus in on a true trailblazer, the first Black woman candidate for the presidency, Shirley Chisholm. Finally, in segment four, The Biz Corner, I had a quick breakdown on what you need to do to launch a business for those of you who have entrepreneurship on your vision board this year. Make sure you subscribe to my email lists for more tips, information, offers, and insight at SheenaHunt.com. If you haven't already, make sure you like the Beautifully Complicated podcast page on Facebook. The link is in the show notes. Follow me, Sheena, your host on Instagram and Twitter at SheenaD1, S-H-E-E-N-A-D, and the number one. Or you can check out my website, SheenaHunt.com. Like the show, rate, subscribe, and share with family and friends. Make sure you continue this conversation from the show on our page or with those around you. I look forward to hearing from you. Stay connected, stay fabulous, and always remember the best life is beautifully complicated.
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program.